horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thank you so much for joining us again here on Winning Ponies Radio. Greatly appreciate it. Remember, if you like the show, pass it on to your friends because all these shows are on podcast for a long time. And most of the races we're talking about are run on Saturday. So uh, to get them up to date on the picks that uh, myself and my handicapper friends give out, uh, they can uh, still tune in before the races on Saturday. Well, our first guest is a first-time starter here on Winning Ponies, and his ma- name is Bill Denzik. Now, uh, Bill, kind of like Pat Doopie and Tommy Drury uh, and uh, Doug Cowens, some guys that I've introduced you to that maybe you didn't know about, these are the guys that fly under the radar that you need to keep an eye on because they're all outstanding horses, horsemen who have horses that are now running in graded stakes races. So the most recent was Bill Denzik, and I've known Bill for a couple of years. As a matter of fact, I was in a partnership years ago with a nice horse by the name of Safe Place who won a couple of allowance races for us in a partnership, and he's just a very, very classic guy. Uh, The thing is, he's got a three-horse stable, (laughs) and last week he went out and won the $350,000 grade three Charlestown Oak, so uh, uh, hopefully some people like drew attention to Bill and might be thinking about sending him a horse. I mean, uh, uh, Todd Pletcher, Chad Brown, and Baffert can't train them all. So uh, we're going to find out a little bit more about the life and times of uh, Bill Denzig. And after that, our guest handicapper is going to be Tom Lamara. Well, you know, Tom's been on the show many, many times. Great guy and New Jersey native. And I always introduce him as the news editor of the Blood Horse magazine. Well, I won't be doing that on this show because he is moving on to greener pastures in Maryland. And I'll hold the surprise and let Tom tell you exactly what he's going to be doing. He sees it as a very uh, positive move in his career. He feels the time is right. He's done pretty much uh, all he wants, and he leaves the blood horse in their 100th year. Well, we are going to be covering the racing primarily at parks. Of course, we've got the big matchup between... Nyquist, the Derby winner, and Exaggerator, the Preakness winner, but also the fantastic Philly Songbird, who is undefeated in her career, 10 for 10, is going to take on the challenges of Karina Mia and Catherine Sophia, who uh, Parks is her home track, so uh, you just never know, even Zenyatta got beat, and uh the uh, most challenging handicapping that we're going to have with Tom Lamar. I'll be interested in hearing who he likes in the gallant Bob. For those of you that like value, you're going to get value in this race because there are a slew of angles. Again, all three of those races at parks on Saturday. You will want to pull down the easy win forms, though, because uh, there are some other uh, Great races across the country, uh, particularly uh, on, on on Saturday. We'll take a look at a, a couple of them. Laurel has a great card, a slew of of graded stakes races and other uh, uh, listed races. Uh, the Commonwealth Derby is is a Grade Two that will be run at Laurel. 
Also, they're going to have the Commonwealth Turf Cup. That, too, is a grade two. And the Commonwealth Oaks is a grade three. There's also several grade three races up at Woodbine. So you're going to want to pull down the easy win forms, and I hope you did last week at a racetrack near you because we go from coast to coast. Uh, down in Florida at Gulfstream, we had a 50-cent pick five that paid $4,126. Then up in New York, that's right, the action's at Belmont now, a $1 super that paid $2,976. And uh, West Virginia at Mountaineer Park, a $1 super key that paid $1,651. And get tied on for this. If you were watching Los Alamitos on the 17th, we nailed a $2 pick six for over $30,000. So get your easy win forms. We got some great racing, not just at parks, but also at Laurel and Woodbine and hopefully every other little track across the country. The easy win forms are good for all of them. Now, uh, some sad news. Uh, uh, Jockey's John Court and Joe Rocco Jr. have been sidelined from injuries uh, sustained in separate incidents last Friday on the opening day card at Churchill Downs. And John Court, he's been on the show. He's such a classy guy. I, I pray for a swift recovery for him. He's only six wins away for his 4,000th career victory, but he did suffer three broken vertebrae and two broken ribs after being unseated from his mount. Uh, on the backstretch in the last race of the night when his horse clipped heels with another runner. And at this point, we don't know how long John will be out. I'm going to be sending him some uh, contacts here, and hopefully we'll have an update uh, for next week. Earlier on the card, it was Rocco. He suffered a fractured left wrist during the eighth race after his mount clipped heels with another horse at the top of the stretch. So uh, nothing but the best for those two top horsemen. Well, I'll... All the top horsemen, just for a brief time, were down in Franklin, Kentucky, at Kentucky Downs, and the results are in. Owners Ken and Sarah Ramsey, trainer Mike Maker, and jockey Florent Giroux all clinched repeat titles in their category for this uh, meet. Uh, Ken and Sarah Ramsey finished the season with six wins. Remember, they only raced five days. Uh, Triple their nearest competitor. And uh, the wins came in some pretty nice races. Uh, Watch your own Bobber in the $400,000 More Than Ready. Oscar nominated in the $350,000 Exacta Systems Dueling Grounds. And Ailes Gale in the $350,000 Kentucky Downs Marathon. Uh, The Ramseys led all owners also by earnings with $801,000 in that brief meet. Mike Maker, man, does this guy know how to pick a horse? Uh, The 47-year-old started nearly twice as many horses as any other trainer. He won five of the season's 12 stakes events. Get this, all with horses that he purchased out of claiming races. Unbelievable. Maker also led the uh, standings by earnings with over $1.4 million. And it is Flo's world right now. Florengeau earned his second local title with 12 wins, also led the standings by earnings with over $1.7 million. And five of his wins came in stakes. Now, you know, they kept the, uh, the takeout down, on some of their betting, and it, it paid off. Uh, they uh, 
just set records at every point. Uh, betting on closing day card at three point six million uh, brought in all sources handle uh, to uh, twenty two million for an average of four point five million dollars a day, and the final numbers reflected an increase of thirty three percent. Hats off to Corey Johnson. He does an outstanding job down there, and he's willing to give a little to get a lot, and he has. And his on-track handle, a 48% increase over last year. Uh, remember now, his takeout for Exactas, which is America's most popular multi-horse bet, at 18.25% was among the lowest in the country. So congratulations to the, the people down there at Kentucky Downs. Let's see. We've got some other guys that finished out the season on top when their meets closed. One was Jorge Navarro, who saddled his 56th winner of the Monmouth Park meet. And uh, it's been 41 years since that record has been eclipsed. 41 years ago, it was John Tamaro in 74, and it was equaled one year later by J. Willard Thompson, but the meet was 15 days longer. So uh, it's kind of a flip of a coin who did better there. Now, uh, it's not over. Uh, Live thoroughbred racing uh, will run the 24th and the 25th of September there. And then following Sunday's program, live thoroughbred racing shifts north to the Meadowlands for a 14 all-turf cards beginning September 28th. Up at Canterbury, a tip of the cap to Mr. Mac Robertson took the training title. Dean Butler took the rider standings. Robertson concluded the season with a Canterbury record of $1.571 million in purse earnings. Dean Butler earned his fifth leading rider title. He set the record for purse earnings with $1.8 million. Uh, also, they had great meat. As you remember, here's another track that's lowering the takeout, and uh, they're – uh, takeout average daily handle increased by six point eight overall, but out of state showed an increase of ten point five percent daily. All right, we had a lot of racing uh, last week. Want to thank my friend Steady Eddie Meyer for handicapping with us. Well, the queen of the turf remains the queen of the turf. The twentieth running of the Rico Woodbine Mile, the Grade One up there with. A million dollars on the purse. It was a little interesting there. Tepin, uh, Julian Le Peru let the other horses go. But, man, when he turned her loose on the turn, he just spent most of the stretch looking over his shoulder. Uh, Tepin sent away at 2-5, to five, rated well, and just blew them away. Finishing second by a head at 23-1 to one was Tower of Texas. And third was Mukta KF, who was sent away the second favorite at 3-1. to one. Then uh, at Woodbine, we had the Northern Dancer Turf, presenting by Hippie Bet. And guess who's back in town, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm not going to make any pizza reference here. The Pizza Man, who pretty much stalked in second, lasted at the wire. An exciting three-horse photo after a mile-and-a-half race. Uh, this race, grade one, 300000 The Pizza Man is back in town. Had not hit the board in four starts this year. Happy to see this. The seven-year-old was ridden beautifully by Flavian Pratt. Also in the photo with him was the German-bred Wake Forest, now trained by Chad Brown. And in the third spot, the horse who was the pacemaker, world approval. He was also the favorite in that race. <coughs> then Ed and I uh, took a little 
ride down the road to Louisville uh, to look at two really nice uh, uh, baby races, and uh, they are very important, and uh, you can win and you're in. We'll look at the Iroquois, the grade three. Uh, the winner there was not this time. It was the favorite, trained by Dale Romans, a son of Giants Causeway. Hopped at the start, but then was raided by Robbie Alvarado and won at will by eight and three quarters. Second was looking at Lee and third, recruiting ready. Then it was the ladies' version going a mile and a 16th. It was a muddy track down at Churchill Downs. And the winner in there, Daddy's Little Darling. Congratulations to my friend Ken McPeak. Kenny won this race last year. He won it this year, so it looks like he's headed to the Breeders' Cup. He's not sure if he's going to run in the Alcibiades or not. Second was Ever So Clever, and third was Bling on the music. And then a nice little race at Charlestown. The grade three, Charlestown Oaks, $350,000. Covey Trace trying seven furlongs for the first time. The trainer must have known something. And Covey Trace showed some speed after rallying from fifth to a determined finish. It was a game effort. And second in there was Mia Torrey, a long shot of 15 to 1 that Ed Meyer liked a little bit. Sophia's song who was the four to five odds on favorite rallied from sixth and last, but could not catch Covey trace Covey trace train by Bill Denzik and Bill Denzik is going to be our first guest. So that's news of the nation. That's a look at last year's top results. We're going to take a little bit of a break. You're listening to winning ponies streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. Okay, on Sunday, I opened up my uh, mailbox and uh, saw a press release from Charlestown and was so happy to see that trainer 
Bill Denzik had won the $350,000 Charlestown Oaks, a grade three. I guess I get to say I knew him when. Obviously, he knew that this uh, filly had a, a ability. She had her little two-year-old things. Uh, she has always flashed a pretty solid speed, but he's done a really nice job with her. Tried a few things, uh, you know, went long with her, tried the turf with her. And as I stated uh, in the first segment, this was the first time going seven furlongs. So it's up to a trainer to uh, know you know exactly when's the right spot and when his horse is ready and bill over the years has done that but he's never done it at this level bill congratulations on your graded stakes win uh, thanks a lot john thanks for having me on i'm happy to uh, well uh i just want to kind of familiarize our, our audience uh, with you um what uh, you know, were your uh, let's go back to your early years growing up. I believe on a small breeding farm and layup farm. Uh, those days and the oppression it left with you. Uh, yeah, probably when I was about five years old, my my parents uh, we moved out to Oldham County, and, and my mom and dad bought a, a small piece of land, thirty acres, and they built a horse farm on it. And uh, we basically laid up horses for people around Churchill Downs, uh, the local trainers and stuff. And, and my dad always was into having five or 10 brood mares on the side and, and, and boarding brood mares. So I you know, basically spent my childhood probably foaling mares out, laying up horses, breaking babies, and just working on the farm. Now, when you say breaking babies, do you actually get up on their back? Uh, I did when I was young, just, just green breaking them, but not, no, not anymore, no. <laughs> the bones don't heal as easy, do they? Right, right. Well, something I didn't know recently is that in your early days, not that you're that old, uh, you were attracted to and you excelled in the game of golf to the point that you received a college scholarship for golf to the University of Louisville. I never knew that. Yeah, um, I played played a lot of junior golf and, and, and did pretty decent at that. And then, uh, yeah, I actually got a full scholarship to UofL. Uh, and 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 took it and and uh, played there for two and a half years, and and then yeah, I I still I still play a little golf, but not as much as I used to, obviously. But yeah, one time I I guess I thought that was my that was my thing. I was going to be a pro golfer, but then I I realized that wasn't going to happen. So well, it's a, a lot easier than being a thoroughbred trainer. So uh, obviously, going to school just blocks from the shadows of the Twin Spires had to be a lure hard to resist for someone exposed to the horse business at an early age did you leave louisville to go work at the track well when i took when i uh, got my scholarship to U of L, uh, i went i went to college and i did not want to see another horse the rest of my life and one day i was uh you know up on the floor messing around with some guys that played on the baseball team and and uh, they were buddies of mine we all lived together and they they tried to talk me into going out to Churchill Downs, and I didn't ever want to because I just didn't I didn't care nothing about seeing another horse. Well, finally they said let's go out there and drink a few beers, and you'll like it, and and uh, all that. So I went out like one day and just kind of started following one horse that that I'd bet on, and and probably within about a month I was going out there a lot, and, and I really started enjoying it, and, and um, I think probably about two or three months after that I just uh, closed my book one day in class and walked right out of class and, and, and never went back and gave up my scholarship <laughs> because I wanted to be in the horse business. So <laughs> my dad, oh, I bet you, I dad, bet you that dad just was, thrilled your parents. Was me. 
Yeah, yeah, they loved it. And <laughs> but yeah, it didn't, it didn't sound very good at the time. I mean, there's, there's times off and on I wish I wouldn't have did it. And uh, the other night was the one time I'm thinking, you know, that wasn't a bad bad choice you know so it had to it had to feel great well obviously you just don't show up on the back stretch and say hi i'm bill denzik and i'm a trainer uh how did you start out who did you work under who were your influences uh my dad was my biggest influence because he was a he's a self-taught uh horseman which uh, i feel like it's it's a little bit uh different coming underneath somebody like that uh he he dealt with everything on on a uh basis of of you know how much does this cost, and nobody was paying the bills for him. So he, uh, I got to learn that that way. And he's a very good horseman. He had a very good eye for a horse. And uh, but then when I went to the racetrack, I worked for Neil Howard. Was the first job, first groom job I had, and I worked for him for uh, about a year and a half. And then I bounced around, got my trainer's license, and and, and had no clue what I, what I was doing, and bounced around probably for about four or five years, and then. Probably the big turning point was I got an assistant job uh, for for Blackie Huffman, and um, I started traveling around the country, uh, you know, to, to uh, fairgrounds in Oakland every winter for about five years, and we had, and then he'd send me to Keeneland and, and Ellis and, and uh, Turfway at the time when we had stables up there, and uh, so, so that, that was a that was the first time I ever had exposure to to pretty. Um, high caliber type of horses and, and uh, I got to meet a lot of good owners that still kind of have a little bit of connection with where I'm at now you know a- absolutely now obviously there comes a day where uh, you, you know you spread your wings and, and leave Blackie uh, did you start out in the claiming game or had you made friends with some owners and said hey Bill I'd like to give you some horses uh, what was your first start out like well uh, just Pretty much started just uh, taking whoever, you know, some guy that owned, uh, one guy in Lexington owned a gas station, and he gave me a horse, and I kind of just piddled around two, three, four horses doing it all myself for years and years. Uh, I tell people all the time, I didn't didn't hire my first groom until I was almost 40 years old, Um, so I kind of always, you know, just picked up up, uh, odd owners, I guess you could say, and then... uh, I finally started uh, pinhooking on my own, saved up my money, and, and bought a couple of cheap yearlings, and, and that's when it really got going. I, I got them to the races and sold them, and it gave me a little bit of extra money to kind of go back and keep doing it again. I, I kind of kept rolling that uh, into something, and, and then people kind of recognized that, and then I had other uh, owners come to me saying, well, you know, I want to get a piece of that horse, and, uh, you know, can you buy me a yearling? And that's kind of the way I got started, pretty much, you know, all, all put my own, what what little bit of money it was, uh, but but not my own money, you know. Well, uh, you know, again, I I had some friends that uh, friends of friends that uh, told me about you, and I did get a partnership a long time ago with a. Uh, turned out to be a pretty solid allowance horse by the name of Safe Place. But I remember right. you had a you had a you had a very fast skip away. The name eludes me right now, but I believe it set a course skip record at Rip Downs. Skip to the good part, yes. As a matter of fact, that horse made the cover of the program the next year, coming out of the gate yeah. on the turf, and it was owned by a partnership who included our next guest here on Winning Ponies, uh, Tom Lamara. Now, do you continue to pursue partnerships, and uh, what do you think are the advantages or, or disadvantages of partnerships? Uh, really, no, no big disadvantage. I guess, I guess, one disadvantage is what I've seen is. You have, you always have. Uh, when you got a group of people, you always have somebody with different ideas. 
and it sounds easy at first. Everybody agrees that nobody will say anything, but eventually somebody, you know, one guy wants to run it long, another guy wants to run it at, at somewhere else, and uh, different jocks, and so be it. But, uh, yeah, so it, it can, if you've got a real good group of guys or, or, or people, uh, it's, it's, it's doable, but I, I have found out that most partnerships do end up kind of, end up kind of falling apart, you know? Well, uh, we're talking with uh, Bill Denzik, who won his first graded stakes race last weekend. Uh, I see that uh, Covey Trace was purchased at the Keeneland September sale for only $10,000. Right now, she's racked up uh, $316,000 plus. Um, did you have a little extra in your bankroll while you were down at the Keeneland sale and maybe add to your three-horse stable? Well, uh, that day I bought... Actually, I bought about like three or four horses for for uh, Brooke Smith, my my partner, and then uh, that day I bought two for myself, and one of them was Kobe Trace, and the other one was uh, another filly that actually won second time out at Churchill and, and got claimed for thirty, uh, and I bought her for ten. So that was a pretty good uh, two buys, uh, actually. But yeah, yeah, uh, you know, the t- ten thousand was an awful lot of money actually for. Uh, Stevie Wonderboy at that time, and I caught a lot of flack over that. Everybody, when I brought her back uh, to the training center, I remember everybody was asking, "How how could you buy Stevie Wonderboy?" You know, <laughs> stuff like that. But now they don't say that anymore. But <laughs> they did. Well, uh, you know, down at the sale, I know it's a tough question to answer. Do you uh, put most emphasis on what your eye sees rather than the black type that jumps off the catalog? Yeah, um, de- definitely. Uh, I-, I like to. Uh, pick an athlete out first, something that's athletic, something that walks nice and smooth. Um, then I start looking at confirmation and things like that. Uh, in this particular, uh, on this particular filly, this is actually an old, uh, if you go back to the fourth dam, my, my dad had uh, a couple of mares out of this family. So I, when I, when I grew up on the farm, uh, we had a couple, you know, you know, babies every year out of this particular family. And it's in the fourth dam now. It's almost off the page, but um, but yeah, yeah. That that's kind of how I picked this particular filly. But yeah, I, I go mostly by just athleticism. Well, um, I, I, I've got to ask you. You know, again, you know, one of the things that was in the uh, the, the press release is the fact that you did do have s- such a small stable in, in a day when some trainers who will go unnamed have a hundred plus horses under their name. Uh, uh, how hard is it in the industry to get owners, especially new and good owners? I think these days it's um, it's almost. I mean, I, I mean, I've called it next to impossible. Um, I'm very fortunate. I have my, my best friend, who's Brooke Smith, uh, that owns half of Kobe Trace with me. Um, he, he's, he, you know, he, he's just sold his business. He's been a very successful businessman around Louisville for for a while. We graduated from high school, and he come to me probably maybe a couple of years ago, and he said, you know, when I sell his business, you know, I, I want to do something together, you know, and uh, that's kind of our plan. So, uh, but as far as picking up like you used to be able to do, just kind of, uh, you know, like, like me winning the grade three and picking up a couple owners, uh, it, it just, it's not like it used to be. I, I don't know why it is, but it's just, uh, I think you're just a uh, lot less owners, period. Well, I, I, 
you know, think obviously, you know, when you start <laughs> winning graded stakes races, you're going to get the attention of some people, and it's good to hear that uh, you guys are probably going to be uh, adding to the stable. Uh, I noticed uh, that Covey Trace uh, trains at High Point. Uh, there must be advantages and and. Uh, I would say the only disadvantage is probably having guys like Tommy Drury around trying to steal your secrets. Well, yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, he, uh, and he'll, he, yeah, he he will definitely try to do that because he uh, he's always trying to sneak into my barn and kind of check out what I'm feeding and and uh, <laughs> who I'm using as a blacksmith and all that stuff. And he's pretty much taking everything I do now. He's just. He's just flipped it right. I know he's tuned in tonight. Too. I had to get that. Yeah, I had so. to get that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we're pretty much at the bottom of the hour. Real quick, uh, what's next for Covey Trace? Uh, you know, seven furlongs is kind of a interesting uh, niche uh, distance, and obviously she's proven herself at it. Uh, where might she go next? Well, I, I think we're going to try to take a big swing at the Raven Run. Um, it, it's going to be a lot tougher. Even though it's a grade two and she just won a grade three, I think it's going to be night and day with the competition. But I, I think she'll, you know, if, if she's doing as good as what she is right now, I don't think she'll be embarrassed by anybody. So uh, we're going to kind of take a swing for the fences, and, and uh, that's about the only spot reasonable to, to run her in anyway. So we're going to have some fun. We've already won a grade three, and the, the rest is icing on the cake. So that's what we're going to do. Well, ben Den- Bill Denzeg, I want to thank you for joining us uh, tonight, and I wish you nothing but uh, uh, continued success. You're a class act, and for anybody that's living in, listening that is thinking about getting in the business, I would highly recommend a call to Bill. He's a, he's a great guy, does a fantastic job, and he's fun to be around. So, Bill, best of luck to you, and thanks for joining us tonight. Okay, thanks a lot, John. I appreciate it. All right, that was Bill Denzik, and we're going to take a little bit of a break, and we're going to come back and find out what the heck is up with Tom Lamara. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and uh, Bill Denzig was a great guest for a first-time starter, but now we got a guy, as far as winning ponies is concerned, is a little long in the tooth. He's been one of my favorite guests over the years, and as I told you, you know, uh, I usually introduce this graduate of Rutgers University as... uh, one of the news editors, or the news editor of the Blood Horse magazine. It's their 100th year, and I called Tom the other day and come to find out he's heading down to Maryland. He feels like he's pretty much done everything he could do at the Blood Horse, found an opportunity. Tom, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, John. Well, I'm pretty good. Um, You know, the transition period um, started a couple weeks ago, and it's a drag out for a little bit, but... uh, what it is is, uh, yes, um, I made a decision to, uh, you know, move on from the blood horse after 18 years. And um, that also uh, means uh, leaving Kentucky, uh, where my wife and I have lived for 22 years. It's been great, and uh, I really enjoyed it. But uh, this opportunity in Maryland is very close to... New Jersey, where uh, my family lives and my wife's family lives. And, you know, um, I thought about it. We talked about it. And I guess it's just in the blood, you know. You live in the Mid-Atlantic for your first 30 years or so, and at some point I guess you just want to go back. <laughs> so, well, so, yes, we I, are I... heading back to Maryland. Well, not back to Maryland. We're going to Maryland, but that same general area, so. Yeah. yeah, I can't speak to all of Jersey, but uh, there's certainly there's like, some beautiful spots there, and there's some beautiful spots in Maryland. Now, what I need to know is, what are you going to be doing? Because I know it's involved in the racing game and, to some extent, yes, the promotion. Yes, it is. Uh, fortunately, I will be able to stay in racing. I will be leaving journalism. I will continue to write, mainly from a communications and the PR standpoint um it's an interesting position that was presented to me that i was approached for it's uh it's it's jointly it's a joint position with the thoroughbred horsemen's association which has affiliates in the mid-atlantic the maryland thoroughbred horsemen's association which is at uh laurel pimlico and timonium and then the maryland jockey club itself just working on some special project stuff so it's kind of, you know, I, it's, it, it kind of came up at the right time in my life, and it was in the right area, because I really, as much as I like Kentucky, and as you know, I love Ohio, because uh, actually, I'm standing in Ohio right now, but Are um, you really? yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, we went to the jug today. So. Oh, oh, that's what I love about you, man. You love all right. the smaller oh, venues. Yeah. Yeah. The jug is such a well, slice of Americana. Well, the Twin Spires guy said, hey, you want to come? I said, you know what? I will be in town. I'll probably have a day. And they offered. And I said, let me go because it may be the last one that I see once I move. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah the, ju- the jug is some kind of experience, that's for sure. Well, the, one of the things you always did, and you just brought up the, the jug, is, Tom, you, you've been famous at uh, uh, 
probably champion the some of the smaller tracks and shining lights on the little guy. I mean, we just got off the phone with uh, uh, Bill Denzik. I know you recognized his voice towards the end of the interview there. Uh, and what a great guy he is. It's, it's hard to believe he's only got a three-horse stable. But I'm sure that uh, if you're going to be dealing with a horseman's organization, probably part of what you're going to do as an ambassador of the game is to bring some of those guys forward so people know about them in the game. Uh, that'll probably be a part of the plan, yes. Um, you know, we're starting out with a couple things. Um, I'm kind of back and forth right now, but I can do, you know, a large part of that job from wherever I am. So, um, so I'm just getting started, and, you know, we'll take it from there. But there's a lot of good things happening in Maryland right now between the Laurel renovations and, you know, this major state study of what to do with Pimlico and the Stronach group just bought um, Rosecroft Raceway, which is a harness track in Maryland, and they've already started with some improvements. The place hadn't really been touched for, I don't know, five or six years, I guess. So there's a lot of good things happening. Plus, I'll be working with the horse, with the, with the THA affiliates in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, New York, and um, Chicago, too. So. Yeah. Well, Kentucky's loss is, is Maryland's gain. That's all I can say. And I hope we still find ways to have our uh, paths cross. Well, uh, uh, I know that t- <laughs> being in New Jersey, uh, yeah. you, you've been to, to what's now called Parks, uh, before it was called Parks, I'm sure. Uh, and they got a great uh, racing card there. Of course, Laurel has a great card, too, but I had to zero in on one of them. And uh, so here's what we're going to probably do. I'm going to pick the race that we probably have the least amount to talk about and then come back and take the two tougher races. So I'm going to start okay. with the I'm going to start with the Cotillion, mile and a 16th, grade one, million-dollar purse. And last week we got to see a fantastic champion in Teppan up at Woodbine. And in the Philadelphia area, you're going to get a chance to see a fantastic filly by the name of Songbird. Obviously, the target's on her back. Uh, she's she's the one to beat. But, you know, you, you, you've got the hometown horse, Catherine Sophia, never been beat at Parks. Two for two. She won the prep for this race in a hand ride. And then you got Hall of Famer Billy Mott shipping in with Karina Mia. They've got great credentials, but Tom, when I saw the works on Songbird out on the West Coast, and I know that she did most of these effortlessly, um, I I think the race is for place. Yeah, I think so too. And this is coming from a big fan of Catherine Sophia. I will say that right now. But Songbird, as we know, hasn't lost yet, and her race at Saratoga at a mile and a quarter did nothing to tell me that, you know, she's ready to lose a race. <laughs> so uh, I'm not going to go anywhere else but to pick her. A lot would depend, I guess, on the pace scenario. Um, Karina Mia did draw the inside, et cetera, et cetera. Catherine Sophia can come from off the pace really nicely. So, I mean, I, I, I don't, I would expect Catherine Sophia to put in a really good effort, but Songbird, from what I've seen so far, I'm not going to go against her. So, you know. No, you 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 got you got to play a, a super in here. Now, a, a horse that that I was uh, uh, t- touting uh, earlier in the year that I really liked 
was land over sea. But uh, maybe she just got beat up by Songbird too much out there on the West Coast, uh, you know, r- running behind her in so many races, both as a as a, a two-year-old and an early three-year-old. She's been given a nice race. She's trained by Doug O'Neill. I think you've heard of him and Mario Gutierrez um, at 10 to 1. Might be an interesting horse to put in the try. Uh, I think you know you're probably right about that one. Actually, I I also liked her um, this winter. I guess it was in the winter, and and uh, you know it didn't quite pan out for her. But you know it wouldn't surprise me if she grabbed a nice piece of it. So yeah, absolutely. Well, she is she's she's your deep closer, and like you said, you know, with the rail, I see Korea Mia going out there, uh, Catherine Sophia, perhaps just laying back a little bit, probably not far from from her or a, a tad in front would be Songbird, and then as they come down the lane, looking for somebody to fold, Songbird to go to the front, and an outside chance to land over sea because she's a deep closer. And if everybody concentrates on these other horses, you may even get better than 10 to 1 for her to right. you know, potentially even be second. But for sure, you know, there, there's your super fact as far as I'm concerned, not to uh, knock Queen of Esther or Disco Rose. Uh, might not pay a whole lot, but nonetheless, you can, you can bet it as many times as you want at a racetrack, I understand. Right, exactly. <laughs> So anyhow, I'm going to give my producer a heads up here. I know we're just a little bit early for our break, but the next two races are pretty tough and have a lot to talk about. So uh, we're talking with uh, Tom Lamara. Uh, You've listened to him many, many years. I don't even know what his title is, so I'll just say he's a great guy, a great handicapper, and a good friend. We're going to take a little bit of a break. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And with Tom Lamara, who is no stranger to the audience of Winning Ponies. Well, uh, 
Tom's been able to cover all the major races uh, over the last uh, 18 years with the Blood Horse. Uh, the Pennsylvania Derby, it would definitely be considered a major race right now since we have Kentucky Derby Nyquist shipping in uh, from the West Coast uh, to take on Exaggerator, who won the, the Preakness Stakes. And then you've also got some interesting players in here. Of course, you've got... Uh, Gun runner who was third in the Kentucky Derby behind those two. So you got the Kentucky Derby try. Um, and uh, Tom, the way I look at this race, uh, I, I, I'm not putting a ring around uh, Exaggerator or Nyquist. Certainly not around Exaggerator if it's going to be a fast track. But uh, I see two speed horses in here that could kind of throw a whole new look into this race. You got Awesome Slew who won the Smarty Jones, which is the local prep for the Pennsylvania Derby. It was a speed-favoring track that day, but nonetheless, going to be on the rail. Looks like a horse that's got a nice uh, future to it, trained by Eddie Plesa. And then Cupid, who uh, is like, whoa, this Tappet just woke up. I'm sure you saw the race of Mountaineer because the, the, the rail was death. And he drew the inside. Rafael Bayerano did a fantastic job of getting him out on top without using him too much and then moving him out in about the seven path for the rest of the race. And uh, he never gave up the speed, never stopped, uh, earned its favoritism. Uh, you know, you got Bob Baffert and Bayerano teamed up. Uh, this is going to be interesting. I think this race might be all about the setup. And, uh, you know, again, I, I'm going to not – Mentioning the two stars, Exaggerator and Nyquist, Gunrunner could be very much of a player in here. His stalking style may help. Yeah, this race came up extremely strong this year. I, it's it's come up strong in recent years, but this is an amazingly deep bunch of three-year-olds, you know, strictly running against each other for this time of year. I'm sure the million dollars or whatever the purse is, it might be more than that, but... Uh, helps, but you know, we've seen million dollar races with short fields. This is an excellent race. You mentioned Cupid. Uh, I had the uh, pleasure of actually covering his last two wins because I went to the Indiana Derby and Mountaineer. The Mountaineer race, uh, it wasn't a great field, but I'll tell you what, he had the rail, he got the horse off the rail immediately, went very wide. The race impressed me. I think he's gotten really good. And he's definitely in my top two, for sure, because I think um, with his post, he'll be outside of some of the speed, and I think that he can rate a little bit. You had mentioned Nyquist. Yeah, you're right. I, I you know, it, you can't put a ring around his name, whatever, but I think after his last two races where he got used pretty hard, yes. um, it's nice to see him in the, he's got, he's got an outside post here. He's won from off the pace. Uh, if he wants to show speed, he can. I think that the race, if he is, you know, the way that he was in the spring, I think the race should play into his hands. So I think he's going to be tough to beat. Well, I've been reading quotes from Doug O'Neill, and they're saying that they may change his running style and ask Mario Gutierrez to take him off the pace a little. As you know, he's got that natural uh, early turn of foot. Uh, what do you think about that strategy at this point in his career? Well, it's it's worked before. It, it worked in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, mainly because of this terrible post position where he was wide and he was 
I don't know, sixth or seventh early, and then he made that move and won. I, 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 I really think that he may get a really good setup on Saturday. So. <laughs> Well, yeah. You if know, he takes uh, off, you know, you got you, you got Cupid, and then you've got Awesome Slew. You know that the they're going to be contesting the pace, and well, in fact, could cook each other. Yes. Now, but Cupid can come from off the pace too. Uh, he prefers to run on the lead, I guess. Um, you know, at Mountaineer, I don't think he had much of a choice because he needed to get off the rail, and the only way to get off the rail was to send him and then cut him into three or four paths. But I think he's okay, maybe rating a little bit off it, and um, I think he's got a really good shot, too. Those two are my key horses in that Well, again, I kind of showed my hand at the the beginning of this segment in that uh, I think Gunrunner can be very dangerous in here. Um, You know, Throw throw out the Travers. Who didn't finish 15 lengths behind behind Arrowgate? You know what I mean. He still finished third. Uh, nobody was beating that horse that day. And uh, perhaps you know, with the sloppy track in, in in the Haskell, that played right into the hand of Exaggerator. And uh, you know, he bounced back from the Derby with his uh, mile and a sixteenth win in the Matt Win. Of course, uh, earlier in the year, uh, a mile and an eighth in Louisiana Derby. Uh, certainly no embarrassment to finish third in the Kentucky Derby. I just think because of all the other horses we've been talking about, Gunrunner may be overlooked, and you might be able to get 8-1 to one on him. Whether or not I'm going to key him on top is is a question, but I think he's going to be a part of the ticket, Tom. Uh, I think he could. I, I would be surprised if his uh, uh, price is 8-1. to one. I think he might be lower than that, but like we said earlier, it's a very deep field. And, you know, they can't all be two to one or five to two. So, you know, um, yeah, he could be a good price. And, you know, he's certainly earned respect this year without a doubt. And I think this race is just a matter of who it sets up for, because I think yep. there are, many of them are probably on par right now. So we'll see what happens. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We're talking with Tom Lamara. We just covered the uh, Pennsylvania Derby. It's a grade two. 1250000 at parks. They're going to be going a mile and an eighth. Okay. In the three races I gave you to look at, without a doubt, the Gallant Bob had to be a, the biggest challenge for you to handicap, Tom. I'll let you set it up. Well, uh, that really wasn't the case, believe it <laughs> Really? Um, once again, this is a really, really good field of horses in this race. And, yeah, I just um, I, I spent a little time on it, and I just kept coming back to Counterforce, um, trained by Steve Asmussen, Florence Rose riding. You know, he, he's kind of lightly raced, but um, he hasn't raced since the Amsterdam at Saratoga on July 30th. And he had that inside trip. He kind of made a little move, then dropped back. He draws a much better post in this race, and he does prefer to come from off the pace. Not too far back, but from off the pace. And um, this is another one of these horses I think he could be in the right spot, and he's a good price on the morning line. I don't think he'll get too much attention because that's a really good field, and uh, he's actually my, uh, my price play of those three races. Well, I can see why he's at the morning line at eight to one. Uh, 
coming out of the uh, Amsterdam and uh, also coming out of the Amsterdam is Mind Your Biscuits, a horse I like who won the Amsterdam, who came back in the King's Bishop uh, uh, seven furlong affair. This race we're talking about, the Gallant Bob, grade three, 300,000, is going to be run at six furlongs. It's kind of interesting. You know, these are three-year-olds uh, and, and you know, it's like kind of some of them tried going long, and now the trainers kind of figured out, you know, I think maybe I got a sprinter in the barn and, and have changed up. All right, mystery horse here, Richard Baltus, shipping in from San Anita and Del Mar. Rafael Barano rides at 5-1. to one. Has never been beat at six furlongs. Yeah, the California speed horses are usually of major concern <laughs> because – you know they are very very fast, <laughs> and um, I, I did look at that horse. Um, there appeared to be some other legitimate speed types in there. I mean, if he is in fact the fastest from the gate, uh, you know, I'm sure you know it wouldn't surprise me at all if he was right there. You know, and he could win. Uh, there's a lot of horses in there. I think that have a shot with the right kind of trip. Um, so. It's probably a good race to kind of spread out and use prices, and he makes as much sense as most, you know. So. Yeah, and we haven't even mentioned No Holding Back Bear, uh, a horse who uh, has been racing just a tad longer than six, but shows two 100-plus buyers. You know he's going to be vying for the lead, but he, he's done a lot, a lot of his best racing on a synthetic surface, so he's going to be not only coming off synthetics, but he's going to be coming back from the seven furlong King's Bishop. But uh, they placed him at five to two, so obviously he's getting his respect in this race also. Yes, I think his price might be a little bit higher than that. But uh, his race in the King's Bishop was okay, and actually the cutback, I think, will probably help him too. So I would expect an improved effort from him. Well, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, you're going to, going to have to hit up some guys to go in on a bigger ticket on this one because there's, there's so many horses in here, you know, uh, awesome speed. It hasn't raced since since the Preakness. And, uh, you get, again, we mentioned the shipper Navy him. You like Counterforce, who's morning line 8-1. to one, So you're going to bet him. you got to box him, I guess, in the gallon Bob. Well, it's going to be a great day at Parks and a great day at Laurel. A lot of good stakes races there. Um so oh, I'm so happy you had a, a great day uh, in uh, Delaware, Ohio at the Little Brown Jug, Tom. Yes, yes. The weather was nice. It was about 90 degrees. It was a little hot, I guess, but it was still nice. And You know, a usual large crowd. Uh, racing was pretty good. Um, you know, it's just a, a really, really neat event. Um, I strongly recommend it for whoever uh, lives around here or wants to spend a couple days in Ohio because it's, it really is a very different kind of event. Um, and the crowd at a county fairgrounds, a large county fairgrounds, but still it is a county fairgrounds, is just just one of those things that you got to see. You know, plus Absolutely. you can bet every race too. So, you know, there's betting. So 
<laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I've seen world records set there in little old Delaware, Ohio. They uh, cancel school for a couple days because so, so the yeah. kids can either work at the fair or go to the fair. It's neat. You know, you've got the sausage sandwiches, the great big turkey legs. Somebody might pat you on the shoulder and turn around, and it could be the favorite for the final heat. You know, you're you're sitting right there, right next to the shed rows. It's it's an amazing slice of Americana as you watch the Ferris wheel go in the background. The little brown jug definitely put it on your bucket list folks it's something else and i know uh tom's always been a, a fan of the trotters when he'd come to the track we don't always have to print an extra program uh with the jughead <laughs> horses in there for him but he's not a bad handicapper at that so either way say hi to karen for me and uh, right. best of luck stay in touch when you go down to maryland i got a brother that lives in the area if i ever come down i'll hook up with you okay john appreciate it all right, we've been talking with Tom Lamara. Earlier in the show, we've been talking with Bill Denzik. Like we said, a lot of great racing coming up this weekend. So get on over to winningponies.com, pull down those easy win forms, and hopefully we're going to give you a slew of winners. That closes out the show. want to thank everybody involved. And uh, as I always like to say, I'm looking across the manicured turf course, past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. When you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.